0: chapter seven of the flying stingaree by harold goodwin this LibriVox recording is in the public domain reading by matt Perrari. chapter seven sighting data steve's living room was an excellent place to work in fact it was a shade too comfortable Rick and Scotty spent a half hour arguing over who would do what in putting their data down on paper, and both knew perfectly well that they were just stalling. Finally, Rick said, Let's admit it, we're both stuffed with crab. A little sleepy and too comfortable in these armchairs. Scotty waved a hand languidly. All right, I concede the point. Steve Ames chuckled suppose you move to less comfortable chairs those dining-room chairs should keep you upright get to work and i will too the boys hauled themselves to their feet reluctantly rick walked to the door and looked out through the screen he could see the creek glistening and out beyond the dock where the houseboat and runabout were tied up he saw ripples spreading where a fish had jumped the air was still and he could hear cicadas in the trees and shrubs this is the land of pleasant living he observed i'm surprised anyone on the eastern shore ever gets a lick of work done you certainly don't scotty retorted come on over here and stop admiring the scenery steve had produced large sheets of white paper a ruler and pencils rick sat down i laughed as recorder volunteering for the hardest job scotty inquired the air must be affecting you nope rick shook his head i have just enough energy left to be realistic i can't read your writing suppose i put down the headings location date of sighting time of sighting direction of sighting number of persons who saw object what else description scotty suggested maybe that ought to be in two parts one for shape and one for color rick nodded good idea i'll rule lines as we go he drew lines for the columns, printed his headings, and put in the first several horizontal lines. Ready, he announced. We'll start with the first one. Location, five miles south of Y Mills on Route 50. Rick printed, 5M S Y Mills, route, route 50. Date of sighting, July 10. Time of sighting, between five and six in the evening. Rick printed industriously scotty read from his notes until over twenty lines of information had been printed on the chart then steve interrupted bringing a tray of tall glasses of iced ginger ale the young agent put the tray down and scanned the columns while the boys helped themselves in a moment steve nodded there's a pattern taking shape at least in the descriptions but i can't make much out of the dates and locations yet we'll keep plugging rick said maybe we'll need to rearrange the columns before they make sense you have a point steve agreed use the chart for the source then we can fill out sheets on the individual items or i have some four by five inch file cards that would be ideal but we'll be at it all night scotty objected i don't think so once the basic data are on paper it will go fast keep at it Yell if you want refills on the ginger ale. I need to finish my own homework. The boys returned to logging the data, while Steve settled down with a bulky report. In another hour, the notebook had been exhausted, and the big sheet of paper was nearly full of ruled lines and columns recording data. We're done, Rick announced. Steve put his report aside and joined them at the table. The boys waited expectantly while the agent scanned the sheet. You've done a good job of collecting information, Steve said. Now it needs breaking down some more. The mixture in the color column bothers me. I have a hunch those colors may be related to the position of the sun. Look. Rick watched as Steve's forefinger touched a line that showed the color as dark. The finger moved across the line to the time of day, 11 a.m., Steve pointed to another line where the color was listed as orange. The time of day was 7.15 p.m., with an additional note of twilight. Got it, Scotty agreed. You think the objects may actually be dark, but appear in various colors, depending on the position of the sun and the position of the viewer? It makes sense, Rick agreed. All of the colors listed, red, orange, silvery, bright could be reflections of the sun on a smooth object steve walked to a bookshelf and pulled down a copy of the world almanac sunrise and sunset times are listed in here you can figure out quickly enough where the sun was in relation to the observer it will take another sheet of paper and some more columns you gave us an extra sheet rick replied how should i head the columns steve thought for a moment three columns for the position of the sun rising high setting four columns for the position of the observer in relation to the flying object north south east or west one column for color and one for other comments such as shiny and of course you want a column for the time rick recorded the data as scotty read it off checking the world almanac for the sun's approximate positions steve was obviously interested he started to read his report again then abandoned it and came back to the table where the boys were working when the data had been transferred the three studied it rick ran his eye down the columns quickly getting an impression then he went over the data slowly you're right steve he said finally it all tallies even at a quick look in every case where the object looked colored the observer saw the sun striking it where it looked dark the object was between the observer and the sun or at least the observer wasn't in a position to see the sun reflect off the object scotty added in every case where the object looked red or orange the sun was setting or had already set in every case marked bright silvery or shiny the sun was high and the observer could see the sun reflecting from the object it seems pretty clear steve agreed now we have only one really close range sighting and that was rick's how sure are you that the object was black rick shrugged i know enough not to trust my eyes completely in wind and rain but there certainly wasn't any light to reflect off the object and i'm pretty sure it was either black or very dark brown that would fit all the sightings steve pointed out i'm assuming that the objects have a smooth surface that reflects light, even though the material may be dark colored didn't you suggest a kite made of dark plastic that would fit the bill except that the objects don't act like kites what do they act like scotty demanded neither steve nor rick had an answer let's try for another piece of information steve suggested put the dates down on cards if you have sightings by different people on the same dates and at about the same times put them on the same card if there's a big time discrepancy say one sighting in the morning and another in the afternoon put them on different cards rick looked up what are you trying to find periodicity steve said promptly is there any regularity in the sightings do they occur every three four or five days for once a week, on Mondays. Which reminds me, you might put down the day of the week, too. There's a calendar on the wall behind you. You read, and I'll copy, Rick told Scotty. Go ahead. He waited with pencil poised over a card. In a moment he looked at his pal. What are you waiting for? Scotty was poring over the notebook again, his eyebrows knit you know there's one chunk of data on just a few sightings that we didn't put down because we didn't have a column for it what is it steve asked i know rick exclaimed there were a few times when people said they saw yellow glows in the sky after they saw the objects isn't that it scotty nodded i've been counting there were five instances two people said the glow wasn't really connected because it came from wallops island why on earth didn't you include it in the chart steve demanded it doesn't fit scotty replied in every single case the glow was to the southeast maybe it does fit steve said emphatically boys never leave out a bit of data because it doesn't seem to fit this particular chunk could very well be the clue why rick asked quickly steve shook his head i'm not sure so i don't want to say but include every sighting of the yellow glow on the date cards i'm going to borrow that set for a closer look scotty began reading while rick recorded when the cards were complete they ran through them there was no periodicity the dates seemed completely random sometimes two sightings had been made at different times on the same date there would be two days three four five or even six between sightings not a trace of pattern rick said who says stingarees have to fly on schedule steve asked with a grin they're not supposed to be like planes what's the next step scotty produced the map they had used one more job to do and that's to plot the locations of the observers and draw lines in the directions of the sightings that will show us if there's any regularity in the place where the flying objects appear very good steve approved scotty took pencil and ruler and laid the map out flat you read location and direction rick and i'll plot the data okay rick began with the first five miles south of y mills on route fifty direction southwest scotty measured the distance from y mills Using the map scale in inches, then estimated compass direction and drew a line. Next, Rick read on. By the time he had reached the tent siding, all three of them were waiting anxiously for each new bit of data to be plotted. Finally, the job was complete. Steve had hurried off a moment before and returned with a pair of compasses in his hand. As the boys watched he put the sharp point of one compass leg into a spot on the map adjusted the radius and drew a perfect circle he adjusted the radius again and drew a second circle slightly larger than a third bull's-eye rick said excitedly the direction lines bisected the outer concentric circles like the radii of an orb spider's web in the center of the web was the smallest circle Within the circle was the focal point of all flying object observations. Rick said the name out loud. Swamp. Creek. End of chapter 7